welcome to So What Do You Think, a podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them. I'm Jane, with me here is B. Hello. Okay, so tonight we've got a fairly recent case from 2015, which involves a somewhat suspicious death. Actually, it's a very suspicious death. It's a case where the family are still trying to get answers, it being quite recent, and it really is a very tragic tale as it involves a young girl. So tonight we're going to Hendersonville, Tennessee, and we are looking at the death of 21-year-old Lauren Agee. Agee? Agee. I don't know how to say it. Agee, maybe. So Lauren lived with her mum, Sherry, and her stepdad, Michael, and her brothers and sisters, Alison, Jordan, and Joshua. Lauren was a really sporty, bubbly, energetic person who had been quite involved in gymnastics growing up and had won a lot of medals. She was also right into dancing and even was offered a college scholarship for dancing. She did end up turning it down, though, because she wanted to study criminal justice at college. So she's at college. She's got a boyfriend and a great group of friends. And I mean, she's living her best life. Like she's at the start of her life. Everything sounds awesome. She seems to be someone who's really popular and she wants to go and do something special one weekend in their area. They have a big sporting event called Wakefest. Um, and this was at Center Hill Lake. Uh, it was a wakeboarding festival. You know what wakeboarding is, don't you? Um, I can wakeboard, actually. Oh, you've done it before. Oh. Yeah, I used to be quite the little wakeboarder. Oh, exciting. I thought, yeah, it looks like it would be fun. It's kind of like a snowboard-shaped thing. I've snowboarded you- too, so. Oh, gosh. Yeah, don't get me. I love snowboarding and I'd love to go again. But mm-hmm. don't get me on a fucking skateboard. Yes, it's all very scary. Snowboarding I fucked bad, myself but- up on a skateboard, so, yeah. <laughs> I feel like many people have. <laughs> But like yeah, grinding um, my foot off. But I mean, I probably shouldn't have been doing it barefoot. Oh uh, yeah, that's probably not a great idea. <laughs> um. So yeah, so wakeboarding is basically like you're getting pulled along behind a powerboat sort of situation. For those people who have not done it, uh, it's a bit like water skiing, but on a single board. I mean, it looks like fun. I would like to do it. Boarding on the wake. Yes, you're going on the wakes of the of the water. Yeah. I'm not really good at anything that involves balance and strength, so I feel like I'd be terrible at it if I gave it a go. But I feel like I would give it a go if, if I had the chance. Different. It's different because there's, like, the resistance from the water. Yeah, helps you stand. So, yeah, that helps you balance versus doing it on a skateboard or doing it on snow. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a big thing in this area. They have this festival every year that goes for a few days, so... So it's July 24th, 2015, and Lauren is headed to Wakefest. With her is her bestie, Hannah, Hannah's boyfriend called Aaron, and Aaron's friend, Chris. Neither Lauren or Hannah really knows Chris. This was their first time meeting him. So as you may well expect, this festival was a festival of wakeboards, but also a festival of drinking and partying. Uh, It was kind of like a camping boat situation and everyone sort of just gets really lit every night and then goes and watches the wakeboarding the next day. Sounds like fun. Sounds like something I would have definitely done when I was that age. So that day they arrived and set up camp along the lake. Now this lake is quite beautiful actually. It's uh, not got as many flat banks. It's more like surrounded by really high cliffs. 
they spend the day drinking, watching the wakeboarding, and they were cliff diving as well. So like I said, there's just cliffs everywhere, so people like to do the cliff diving. Like I said, you don't really know how deep it is there, though. Like you just kind of there could be hidden rocks. It sounds a little bit dangerous, but people seem to be doing it and being okay. So Lauren's doing the way, uh, doing the cliff jumping and she takes a jump and right as she goes in, she sees a submerged rock and unfortunately she hits the back of her head. As she gets out, she's dazed, she's a little bit out of it, maybe a minor concussion, but she rallies, she's okay, on with the shenanigans. So from what we can patch together through eyewitness accounts, that night of 25th of July, the group drank at a local bar until around 2 a.m., when a security guard saw them leave and walk down to the lake dock and they'd, they'd rowed a canoe over there from their campground. Before they could get to actually leave the dock, a friend of theirs, Cassie, comes over and goes to speak to Lauren. She said that Lauren wasn't really down with the whole sleeping situation. She was quite worried about it. So what this situation was, like I said, they were camping and they were going to be sleeping in hammocks. Obviously, Hannah and Aaron were going to be sleeping together because they were together, but this left Lauren and Chris sleeping in a hammock together as well. Now, Chris is not Lauren's boyfriend. In fact, she only just really met him. So she's expected to sleep in a hammock with this guy. As if that wasn't worrying enough, the way that the hammocks were positioned, they were at the top of a cliff, sort of hanging over the edge of it. So, yeah. She has just met this guy. She's sharing a hammock with him, which could get quite intimate. I wouldn't be down with it either. Like, and then especially to add into it the fact that you're going to be hanging over a cliff. Like what? Why the fuck are they hanging over a cliff? It's like a, you you can see photos of it. It's like, look, you're hanging over a cliff and it's so beautiful and that sort of thing. But to me, I'm like, if I don't want to get up to go to the toilet in the middle of the night, I'd rather not die doing that, you know. Yeah. It just sounds really weird to me, but this is apparently this was his campsite and this is the way they rolled on that campsite. So so Lauren tells Cassie that, you know, she isn't happy with the situation. It was a bit of a surprise to her. So Hannah had not told her that this was going to be the sleeping arrangement. So Oh, and actually, um, Hannah and Aaron weren't sleeping in a hammock. They had bought a tent with them. So she's like, they're over there safe in their tent. She has to sleep in this hammock with this guy that she's never met before today. Yeah, so she's like, uh, yeah, no, I don't think my boyfriend's going to be happy about this for starters. I feel like he's a bit of a creepy guy to start with. I've made it very clear that nothing is going to be happening in the in the hammock that night, but I'm still not happy about it. I don't want to sleep this way. It's been sprung on me. Lauren asks Cassie, where are you sleeping tonight? And she's like, we've actually got a cabin. She goes, any chance I can come and sleep in your cabin tonight? Uh, you know, I'll sleep on the floor, whatever. And she's like, unfortunately, the cabin is full. There's nowhere for you to sleep. I'm sure she really regrets this after what happens. So she's like, all right, fair enough. They get in the canoe. They head for the campsite. And Lauren is really worried about things. It's dark. They'd been drinking, they're canoeing, you know, in a canoe, which in itself is kind of dangerous at night time. She was even heard by someone on the dock saying, we're going into a death trap here. So she was obviously very concerned. So then they get to the campsite and I cannot stress how dumb it is, how dumb it would be to camp there. Like the whole thing just sounds crazy. To get to it from the water, 
you've actually got to park the canoe and then climb up the cliff to get to the top of it. So you're walking up very steep, rocky terrain and the cliffs were up to 30 metres high. So they're really, really big. I'd definitely be like sleeping in the car or something if I was her. There's no way you'd get me in that hammock. But Lauren and Chris, Chris apparently sleep in the hammock together. So thoughts on this whole situation to start with? Um, weird situation to put your friend in. I know. What's with Hannah, right? Why would you? What? I don't understand. Fuck Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if my friend was, like, uncomfortable about something, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'll suck it up and sleep with this strange dude, you know? Yeah, that's kind of. I'd be looking at Hannah. Yeah. Well, we don't know what's happened yet, but, yeah, if, if some shit goes down, definitely look at Hannah. Well, obviously some shit's going to go down. That's why we're here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You just don't know what <laughs> So by their accounts, they all go to sleep that night. Early the next morning, Hannah gets up and goes to see how Lauren is, finds that she is not in the hammock with Chris anymore. She wakes Chris up, who just seems like oblivious, and he's like, oh, yeah, she got it up in the middle of the night to go pee, but I'm not sure what time that was, and I just went back to sleep. Hannah says she's worried straight away, especially when she finds out that Lauren has left her purse and phone and her thongs. They're all still there. So she would later say that Lauren would never leave without those items. So she was instantly worried about it. Not my precious thongs. Not my thongs. (laughs) Well, to be fair, I don't know whether walking barefoot around all those cliffs and rocks would even be possible, you know? Yes. Now, you'd think alarm bells would be ringing right now. Your friend's missing. You've said yourself that it's very weird, the circumstances. I mean, if that was you, what would you be doing at this point? Looking for my friend. Looking for her, maybe um, raising the alarm, I don't know, trying to yeah, call no. oh, She doesn't have a phone, but, yeah, yeah, sort of doing something. No, they said that they assumed that she'd gone off for a walk and they'd just go see her later on. <laughs> so they didn't go looking for her at all. I mean, if you're camping and found a friend missing in the morning, I mean, for me, that's just a no-brainer, you know? So no alert is created and they seem to just sort of go about their day. Lauren's mum, Sherry, is worried, though, back home because she's been texting and calling Lauren and is having no joy. That afternoon at 4.20 p.m., local man Lynn Blair and his son Dylan were out fishing on the lake and they find the body of a young girl floating in the water not far from the campsite in a small little cove. And, of course, it was Lauren. So initial thoughts. I mean, she was drunk. The hammock situation just gives me anxiety hearing about it, to be honest. Um, I I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that she drunkenly went for a wee and maybe fell. It's absolutely where my mind goes straight, straight away when I hear of the situation. Is that what you, like, where did your mind go straight away? Well, obviously my mind isn't going to go that way straight away because I know that we're talking about a weird death, so it's hard to separate the two. Yeah. But, yes, that would make logical sense. Drunken girl goes for a walk, bad things happen. Yeah, she falls down the cliff and that's the end of the story. Yeah. And this was the decision that the police made. Uh, They find that Lauren's blood alcohol level was twice the legal limit and they found out that she died of blunt force trauma and drowning. So no foul play, case closed, right? Yeah. Obviously not. (laughs) No. No. But I mean. That's not why we're here. Exactly. And to me, straight away, it's that old chestnut of the police. Like, why aren't you investigating this? 
okay yeah. it seems like it's the most obvious thing to have happened you know but you've still got a dead girl you you've got, a, you've got to got to investigate you have to have an investigation you can't just not do an investigation yeah no it's you know just like we when we did that Christian Andriacchio episode recently you know this guy's literally shot been shot in the head oh well it's suicide I won't even go up and look at the crime scene you know just lazy lazy police work so Lauren's mom Sherry does what we see families do time and time again in these cases and she hires a private investigator she's like no I do not believe it I want to be sure I want to do the investigation that the police didn't do basically so she hires investigator Sheila Wysocki. Now, the, one of the first things that Sheila does is gets hold of the autopsy photos. And she notes a couple of things. Firstly, she feels that there is evidence that there was a strangulation and also a bite mark on her breast. So, of course, I want to find these pics to see whether or not that looked like it to me. So I'll see if I, I'll get them up for you. All right. So this is the bite mark. I mean, it is quite a diamond shape. I don't know whether that's like definitely a bite mark. What are your thoughts on that? Mm. It's not really a normal mouth shape, but that being said, it's not not a mouth shape either. I can't see it. I think I can see like, yeah, like I said, the shape is weird, but I can sort of see where they might have thought it was teeth. Like they do look like individual little teeth going around. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but that was what the investigator thought it was as well. Um, let me find another picture of the neck. So this is the neck, and, I mean, it, I don't know whether that's a ligature mark either. It kind of just looks like a neck fold to me. What do you think? Neck fold. Yeah, so it's not really compelling, this whole idea of, yeah, bite marks and I mean the bite marks are maybe for me definitely, but then I can't really see that it could the, be you know, like the tiniest. Like it looks very thin if it is something. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like there'd be more if it was thin. I feel like there'd be more redness and more bruising as well. That doesn't really seem yeah. much bruising there either. So yeah, yeah, I'm not really sold on those conclusions. They did find quite a few abrasions on her, though, particularly on her back. Now, we do know that she had that incident with the rock when she did dive in, do the rock jumping earlier. So that could have been from that. Or, it, you know, it looks like maybe she was dragged or something like that as well. So the abrasions on her back could just sort of all the way along her spine. There are more scratches on her arms and legs, though, but not too serious. More like scrapes that you need, like if you if you sort of fall over and have a bit of a scrape or whatever. To me, if you fall off a 30-metre cliff, you're going to have some pretty awful injuries. Mm. And these just don't look really bad enough. Like I'm thinking that, you know, what I think, I know that you probably haven't seen it because you don't like horror movies, but there's this scene in Midsummer. Anyone who has seen it will know what I'm talking about. When you fall off a cliff, it's going to be gory. It's going to be gross. So... Also, her clothes aren't torn as well, which is weird. If she had a fallen off a cliff, you'd think that her clothes would be torn and she'd have, like, cuts and scratches all over her. So they that was weird to me as well. I guess you could say that there was water. Maybe she fell in the water and the scrapes are from, like, trying to scramble over rocks trying to get back in. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know whether any of that really says anything definitively to me. One huge thing, though, that came from this autopsy, which just blows my actual mind, 
is that there was no water in her lungs. So she didn't drown. She must have been dead before she went in the water or died on impact. So how the hell can the police say that her death was caused by blunt force trauma and drowning? That I don't understand. What are your thoughts on that? The same as usual. Yeah, what the hell is going on here? Like why? Why? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, like how can you someone's life that has ended it's important and respectful to do it properly yes exactly exactly i don't yeah i don't understand how you can say that someone drowned when they don't have any like they have like a little you know um little wheel and they just spin it like wheel of fortune yeah yeah that sounds like a good cause it's like, oh, do I feel like doing paperwork today? Do I feel like doing my job today? No. No, no. We'll, just call, it, we'll call it an accident. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. At least they didn't say it was a suicide. That's our usual uh, one, right? That's usual MO. And don't worry, the fuckery doesn't end there either. Lauren's death was investigated by Detective Jeremy Taylor, who admits he'd never worked a homicide before. So he just never treated it as a possible homicide. He didn't really know what he was doing. And he said himself, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never done a homicide, so I didn't know what to look for. Awesome. That That's really good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Ah, <laughs> oh, serve and protect. He never swabbed Lauren's fingernails for DNA, never did a rape kit on her, never even questioned the people that were docked in the cove where her body was found. He never listened to the 911 calls reporting her body found and he never spoke to the people that found her. He never looked for blood at the campsite or any sort of evidence actually in the rocks or water either. So vent extreme rage now. (laughs) Like what the hell? I can't even. I know. It's like it's actually beyond the level of stupidity that we usually see. It's actually next level stupidity here, right? I hope he was fired. Oh, at the very least, like, I feel like that is extreme negligence to the point of being illegal in some way. Like, it feels like it should be illegal, right? Another thing that they discovered too that was where Lauren's body was found in that cove was actually sort of around the bend from the campsite and up and up against the flow of the water. It was like, like there is literally no way that she could have gone in the water at the campsite and floated up there naturally. She had to have been put in there. So the investigators looked into all this stuff and just came up with this whole what the hell sort of situation. Like, I mean, come on. I just can't. I can't. Can't even. Sherry would end up bringing a wrongful death lawsuit against Lauren's friends, which she did not win. But in doing so, Detective Taylor was deposed. So one good thing, I mean, even if you know you're not going to win lawsuit, it actually compels people to come and give evidence and they have to legally. So Detective Taylor was deposed. And with every question, he's uh, in, and they would say to him, so why didn't you take DNA from the fingernails? Why didn't you check the crime scene? Why didn't mm. you look evidence? Why didn't you do a rape kit? And every single time he'd just shake his head and say, just didn't. Just didn't. I mean, excuse me, sir, not good enough, really. Yeah. Sherry ends up getting a former police officer, Mr. Leica, to look over everything. And his findings were that she was killed, not the victim of an accident. 
He even suggested that the marks on her back were consistent with dragging, like she'd actually been dragged along the ground. So thoughts on that? Oh, I'm just I know, I'm so enraged that I'm calm. I know. I've, like, gone to a next level of rage. Like, I'm so angry for her and her family. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot, right? It's so bad. Yeah. yeah. Now, there were a couple of couple more items of interest in this case too. For starters, she was wearing a tampon, um, but she wasn't on her period. So I don't know why she was, but Detective Taylor said, oh, well, she was wearing a tampon, so I just assumed she hadn't been raped because she was on a period. Yeah, just let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> because rapists care. Yeah, yep. Like what? What? I can't, yeah. Okay. Also on her abdomen was a lividity pattern of a triangle inside a triangle. And I actually have this picture to show you. This looks like the perfect outline of a canoe's bow. So like the pointy bit of the end of the canoe, suggesting that she was put over the edge of a canoe and canoed to that cove after her death. I mean, looking at that, can you think of anything else that would be? No, that's weird. That's a very specific shape, right? Yeah. Now let's talk about her so-called friends and their behaviour on the day she was found. Now we know that they were like, oh, well, our friend is missing, la-di-da, no biggie. But apparently right after she was found and the father and son had called 911, Aaron paddled his canoe over to the cove. Literally no one except the fisherman the son, the guy and his son and the cop knew about the body. But Aaron comes over and he's like, oh, oh, have you found a body? That could be one of our friends. Like what? So had they been watching the cove, waiting for someone to find her? And then they saw that it happened and, you know, I mean, how did Aaron know there was a body there for starters? Like she was in the water. You couldn't see from afar. Mm. Now, remember also we have this tampon situation, which just baffles me. Like, this is the excuse why couldn't have, she couldn't have been raped. I mean, I roll. Well, it turns out, as I said, she wasn't on a period. So did someone else put it in there just to try and make dumb cops think exactly what they ended up thinking? Some people said it could have just been a just-in-case situation, but tampons don't really work like that. You know, for a just-in-case, I'll put it in there just-in-case sort of situation. Um not to get too graphic, but it's not easy to do, you know, if you're not on your period. So yes, unpleasant. Very unpleasant. And yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. I I mean, maybe that's something that she did, but also, you know, it had the effect if, if someone else put it in there, it had the effect that, that they wanted it to, because this dumb ass detective literally went, oh, okay. She can't have been raped then. Yeah. Can't get my head around that one. All right. Also, Sherry said that the clothes that she was wearing when her body was found were not her clothes. She said she had never, ever seen them before, not even the bra. In fact, the bra was put on really weirdly, like the strap was all tangled up, which would have been super uncomfortable if you were actually wearing it that way. And only one of the three clasps was done up too. So it looked like she had been dressed by someone. So was she dressed after she died? I don't know. Thoughts on that? It's just... Like once it's done and once it's been decided, it's like like they can't go back and find evidence now. Mm. Like all of that stuff's gone. Yep. A lot of it, yeah. 
no one knows who was there on that day mm-hmm. in that code. How are they ever going to track down mm. who was there? Yep. They've let all these potential witnesses slash suspects go. They'll never find out what really happened unless it is literally one of the direct people involved, like as in the friends. Mm. Yeah, the so-called friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Unless there's some crazy evidence on the body which, or someone just admits to it. Which that it feels like they never really took evidence from the body. You yeah, know? that's what I'm, yeah. Like, they didn't do any fingernail scrapings even, which is so right. weird. Now, they did discover that she had crush injuries to her throat, which, you know, it was argued that came from the fall. But, I mean, it wasn't severe enough to be the cause of her death. So are we saying that? that injury isn't an impact injury. No, that's it. It's different to an impact, right? A crush injury is something going around your throat and crushing it. So once again, like, I feel like we could have done a better job at this bloody investigation than the police did. She also had a broken nose and fingers, which could be from falling off a ledge, yes, but it also could be from fighting off an attacker. She had two huge bruises on her thighs as well, which really does paint a picture. Mm-hmm. A picture that is starting to come become quite apparent, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's look further at the behaviour of her friends. After she was discovered... After her body was discovered, the group was questioned, but not as suspects, just more to get a background of who Lauren was, because we all like to try and victim blame, right? Who was she? Was she a bit loose? Was she a bit drunk? You know, like, was she a bit careless? Um, But they were never actually questioned as people that could have been involved. Aaron and Chris seemed very nervous, according to the officer that spoke to them, and he noted a distinct lack of sympathy as well. At one point, he hears Aaron say to Chris, just stick to the story. I mean, are we not having red flags here yet, police people? Like, honestly? Chris said that Lauren said she was meeting up with someone after that night, but she didn't know who it was. Hannah just kept on changing her story. First, she said she was planning on meeting up with an ex-boyfriend later. Then she said that she went back and saw Lauren with an older guy on a canoe paddling away. There was one thing that they were all adamant on, though, and that was that they were convinced that she had fallen off the cliff while peeing as there were no toilets. They were just, it was literally just bush camping and they had designated one of the cliffs as the peeing spot. So they just figured she'd gone for a pee and fallen off a cliff. I mean, this sounds ridiculous, but they would end up eventually having a mannequin fall off that spot and see whether or not it landed in the water. But it turns out that where this pee spot was, wasn't actually the, part of the cliff that was sheer so this cliff sort of had a sheer side that was 30 meters and then it had like a sort of more graduated entry to the to the water on the other side it was rocks and things like that but it wasn't like you wouldn't fall into the water from there um and there were bushes and things so they threw the mannequin off the pea spot and it kind of just like got caught in the bushes and had a bit of a soft landing um and it never got near the water so they determined that even if she did fall down there and sort of roll into the water, it likely would not have been fatal. Now, you weren't supposed to have campfires up there. I guess it's the middle of summer. But people said that one was actually lit that night right at that campsite. So were we burning evidence perhaps on that night? Maybe. Her missing clothes maybe. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the most disturbing thing that though that was found was after their friend had died, and they were questioned. So they found her body. They're questioned. Oh, dear, very sad. Our, our friend has died. 
I mean, I don't know about you. I'd be going home a mess if that was me. Mm. <laughs> like I, I literally would not be able to sort of continue. But no, no, they continued the festival for the next two days, drinking and partying. They never went to her funeral. And Chris posted on Instagram that very day, or sorry, the day after her body was found, it was an awesome weekend. So, yeah. Um, other people at the festival that knew Lauren were questioned too, like Cassie, who she'd asked to stay in her cabin. Interestingly, Cassie was actually Aaron's ex-girlfriend, and she said that she broke up with him because he was very physically aggressive and abusive to her. She said that not only would he hit her, but he loved to bite her as well. She had even kept photos of such injuries on herself. So that's interesting when we come back to the fact that they thought that Lauren might have had a bite mark on her breast. Now, the biting is very, very interesting. I know that we can't really tell 100%, but, I mean, we don't know what this guy's mouth looks like either. Maybe he's got a weird mouth. I don't know. Another friend, Jade, was not at Wakefest, but Lauren had been texting her that night. She said that she was just not having fun. She didn't want to sleep in the hammock. She didn't want to be around these people anymore, and she wanted Jade to come and get her. Jade said that it was really late, though, like middle of the night late, and she had no idea where she was. She didn't know how to find the campsite. It was dark. She was like, look, I, I literally am not going to be able to find you if I come tonight, but call me tomorrow, you know, if you still want to go home. She, Other people would say that Lauren was really carrying on about wanting to go home and said that Hannah had taken her keys off her so she couldn't drive herself. Hannah would admit to this but said it wasn't because she didn't want her to leave. It was just because she didn't want her drinking and driving. And finally, we have a, na- a man named Chris Brown who was camping at the lake with his wife and kids. He saw a young guy. He was down on the dock that was near the restaurant and he saw a young guy swim towards him and up on. he kind of came out of nowhere out of the lake and swam up onto the dock and he climbed up onto it. When he got on the dock, he said that he had swam from the campsite and nearly drowned doing it because it was quite a lot further than he thought it would be. He took a while of like spitting up water and calming himself before he could talk. Chris said that later he believed this guy to be Aaron because he saw pictures of him later on. People have questioned this account as he said that it was around midnight and we know that they left the dock at 2am. So maybe someone got the time wrong. Maybe this person was completely unrelated and it was a different guy. Or maybe this really was Aaron swimming back from having dumped her body over in the cove. There was actually one other guy who was discovered to have been there with the group that weekend, a guy named Brixner Gambrel, who was a few years older than them. But it's like he was never there. He was never questioned. He was never mentioned. And you actually don't even find out that he was there unless you really, really look into this case quite hard. So what do you think? Why is he not mentioned? Yeah, exactly. Who was he? What was he doing there? Like what has he got to play in this for sure? But I feel like a bit of a story is starting to come together, don't you think? The friends are involved somehow. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I mean, it really looks that way, right? Yeah, and they don't have hearts. No, even if they're not involved, how can they just keep on partying and have the best weekend ever? Yeah. I mean, it's I know Chris didn't know her before that, so okay. But, like, Hannah's supposed to be her best friend. Yeah. So like, just gross, 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 gross. Disgusting, disgusting. So, yeah, it looks pretty damning for them. It doesn't look good. They got super, super lucky that they got the country's most incapable cop. Yeah. But let's have a look at the evidence because we always go back to the evidence. Well, we know that the evidence said that she didn't drown. 
Her injuries were not consistent with a fall. She was wearing strange clothes and she was found in a place she needed to be taken to. I mean, someone was involved here. This was not an accident. Just looking at the very basic evidence, which is factual, she cannot have died by falling off a cliff accidentally. Yeah. So I think I think I'm willing to call murder. Mm-hmm. As a sidebar, or at least like a like an accident gone wrong and they've panicked and like disposed of her body. Yeah. As a sidebar, a couple of years after, an anonymous Twitter account started posting really bad stuff about Lauren and the case. This piques the interest of police and they track the IP address. And guess who it comes back to? Hannah and Aaron, who are now living together. So I think just using some logic, something has happened here and Hannah and Aaron at least are involved in it. Why they'd need to go and badmouth Lauren and the case and everything on Twitter years later, I don't know. But it just seems so weird, don't you think? Very. Very, very weird. Aaron did something. Aaron, yeah, definitely Aaron's involved. And Hannah is a very damaged person who is in love with Aaron. Yes. Mad at Lauren. And then Hannah is, it's like almost like Hannah is mad at Lauren for Aaron's infidelity, so to speak. Yeah. You know, like if that is what happened and he did something to her in that way, Mm. very strange. And we can't forget the fact that, you know, we can't forget Chris in all of this as well. Yeah. But maybe Chris is just the red herring. I don't know. I feel like there could have been an element of Aaron kind of promising Lauren to Chris, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. My girlfriend's got this friend. We'll make it so you've got to sleep together in a hammock and you can make your move sort of thing, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, I mean, and we know that Lauren wanted to go home that night. We know that she was being very vocal about wanting to go home that night. So, you know, she was under the impression that they were not, that they were going to be staying in a tent or a cabin or something. The hammock mm. was a huge surprise for her. Mm. I think it's entirely possible that Lauren was attacked by Chris and Aaron and that, you know, she was possibly raped by Chris and held down by Aaron or vice versa. Um, The bite mark on her breast was almost like an upside down, like someone was holding her and bit her. And then the dressing, that scream staging as well. Like were they they really Hannah's clothes? Her mum says no. So Mm. maybe they were Hannah's clothes that she put on her. Mm. And even the tampon is really something that a woman is more likely to think about in the context of it, really. I mean, in the context of it, it's like meaning that she couldn't have been raped. I don't know whether a guy would think that way. So was Hannah involved in all of this as well, you know? The whole thing is revolting either way. Mm. And the fact that Hannah is still with Aaron, gross. That's just, mm-hmm. oh, my God. One of the things that makes me the most angry about the evidence and just blatant ignoring of it and, you know, is this triangular lividity pattern on her stomach. I mean, lividity occurs when a body has been laying there with blood pooling for a while and it will be the shape of whatever they are laying on. We know that lividity is actually one of those solid scientific things. Yeah. And the police just wrote it off as being from the rescue boat. They're like, oh, no, that was just when we transported her away from the cove. That's when that happened. Well, no, you know. No. No. Number one, lividity would have been fixed by then. And number two, we're talking about the bow of the boat. So are they saying that they transferred her by hanging her off the side of the boat, you know, on top of the boat? No, I don't think so, you know. They say that if they 
transported her on the canoe that way, it would have capsized as well. I mean, if you can think about someone sort of hanging over the front of a canoe, that doesn't sound very sturdy. But we do have a half-drowned Aaron, though, making appearance that night. So maybe in just trying to sort of push her off the canoe into the cove, he's like tipped the boat over. Yeah. It all sort of comes together and makes sense. So so I think I'm happy in this case to call foul play. What do you think? Yes, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a a no-brainer for me. The same. Yeah. And I hope justice is served at some point. I'm not hopeful, but I do hope. Well, I think that, you know, the family are going to push very hard for that, which is good. But Mm. to me, there needs to be a massive acceptance of the lacking in the police investigation. Yeah. And a new investigation done from scratch as far as I'm concerned. Yep. But yeah, the um these agencies aren't very good at admitting that they've done things wrong. <laughs> so I don't know whether that will ever happen. No, they won't want to because if they've done it wrong once, then there's the potential for so many other things to be overturned because they did them wrong as well. Yeah, absolutely. The unfortunate thing is that in many cases they may not have done them wrong, mm. but it could be overturned. It's just such an obvious case. Like it's very, very obvious that she did yeah. not by the way that they said and yeah it's so sad to me that they just sort of went oh yeah okay we won't even look at the evidence you know but again not not surprised because we see this time and time again mm-hmm. so yeah everyone let us know what you think what do you think happened to lauren um and uh yeah we will keep talking about it on socials come and see us otherwise we'll see you guys next time bye bye